You're listening to a Broadmoor Podcast production. On Sunday, we closed out the year 2023 with a message from Pastor Josh taken from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. On the podcast today, we cover a lot of ground talking about things like why it was unique in his day that Paul would talk about taking the posture of bowing his knees before the Father. We also discuss the idea that every person bears the image of Christ and what implications that should have on our prayer lives. Finally, we spend time in conversation about the Lordship of Christ and his right to do whatever he pleases within us, but also how he loves us unconditionally and ultimately does all things for our good and his glory. Thanks for joining for this first episode of 2024. This is After the Message. Hey guys, welcome to the first podcast of 2024. Hello, Good morning. Mike Hayes. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. 24. I'm doing, I know. It's going to be hard. Seems crazy. Got to write that now and everything you do. I know. I know. What a big change. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing I have an erasable pen. <laughs> oh, wow. Because <laughs> I'm going to be using it a lot over the next I'll have it down by June. The weeks. There you go. Oh, yeah. It's 24. Yeah. Yep. I know. So it, it just, yeah, it just feels weird, though, you know? Like I was, we were, uh, Lori and I were watching the sort of the New Year's Eve celebrations and stuff on TV, uh, New Year's Eve, and... And, uh, you know, I just started thinking about, you know, it's just weird. Like, you know, you think about 2024, like I'm old enough to remember when, you know, that seemed like a, yes, that seemed way, way off. Uh-huh. Like we, we were never going to get to 2024 <laughs> and yet here we are. It's futuristic. <laughs> That's here right. we That's are. Right. You know, I think back to the movie, what was the movie? Uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. It's like, and now we're 23 years past that. Mm. What was it? Uh, back to the Future? Like is it um, Marty Marty McFly? Yeah, he uh, like that. The time that he jumps to in the future is now behind us it's in our past. Mm. Like so, that's we don't yeah. have flying cars. Even worse, that's right. No. The, if he if he went back the same amount of time into the past today, it'd just be the nineties. Oh, I don't like what you're saying. Oh, I don't mm. like that. Actually, though, we do have hoverboards. I saw I saw a video of some guy riding one the other day. A real hoverboard. <laughs> Are you sure? Well, you know. It's on the internet. It must no. be true. $2 million. Photoshop. Could have been AI. I don't know. <laughs> could AI. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, uh, well, welcome, guys. It's good to be in the room. Yeah, it is. Good. Yeah. We had last week off because of the holidays, and so we didn't uh, we didn't record a podcast last week. Uh, so it's good to be back mm-hmm. in this place. It is freezing cold in this room, though. Evidently, the heater is. is still off for yes. another week as well. Well, I think we normally record on Mondays. Tuesday. That's right. Oh, yeah. Yep. And, uh, it was nice and so and warm I, I think morning. we forgot to change it on the calendar. <laughs> 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 and the heat did not come on today. So uh, anyway. Uh, well, so just so uh, so all of our listeners can know who's in the room, we've got Sean Selman today, uh, Josh Braddy, Preston Crow, Neil Marsh, and of course, Chase Hammock. It's good to see you guys. Glad yeah. you're in the room. And... Uh, so we're looking back on, uh, it, it is Tuesday morning as we record this, we're looking back on Sunday, and um, Josh, you, you preached sort of a, a sort of a New Year's message, I guess. Um, yeah, sort yeah. of. But Ephesians, <laughs> uh, from Ephesians chapter 3. And, uh, it's hard to I mean, find one that not, says New Year's in if it. If that's not what you meant to do. <laughs> that's uh, all we did. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so, so before we get into the meat of it, uh, so it was really interesting. It was a short message. Like it was shorter than in fact, I would it, normally preach. It caught me off. <laughs> like it, it caught me off guard. You know, like you're wrapping up. I'm thinking, wow, like he's really early. Like, what, what's going on here? Did he just forget what he was going to say? Or, <laughs> well, or, it, it, or did your notes stop working? Well, no, the notes were good. But when I got up on stage uh, on on Sunday morning, I, I went to cut my iPad on, and it it didn't work like I wanted it to work. And all my notes mm. are always on there, and. Uh, like I could see them, but I could only see one page and it was like the middle of the sermon and it wouldn't move. And I was like, Oh no. <laughs> and so two things could have happened then. Um, you know, I, I love to preach without notes, but I've learned over the course of, of years of preaching that it's either going to go way short, mm. um, or incredibly way long. And, mm-hmm. and it has a tendency to go way long, um, because I, I you know, I have a lot to say uh, about all yeah. the things and <laughs> the notes rein me in. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it was a shorter Sunday, uh, on purpose because we didn't have our, our typical ministry care, child care available um, for, for our families. So we have everybody in the room. And I am keenly aware of that because my family is sitting <laughs> on the very front row. And I'm watching my daughter, my, my now four-year-old daughter, um, who is doing cartwheels and coloring and laid out in the middle of the floor, <laughs> which I think is cute and she sweet. Was and I love it. Yeah, she was prostrate uh, on, on the floor. Um, but with, with that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to help my wife out, and mm. we're going to we're going to hurry up. We're going to talk about the important things, and we're going to land this plane. It's yeah. going to be great. So it was an act of uh, mercy to all of those uh, who had young kids. Yeah, and I had yeah. to go home um, to my family. So. <laughs> mercy <laughs> to yourself. Get That's everybody awesome. in a good mood. Uh, well, yeah, but it, it was it was a great message. Thanks. And um, I know uh, maybe maybe a little shorter than some of the passages that we normally tackle. Um, but uh, I but, heard yeah. good feedback from that too. <laughs> yeah, Pastor. Thanks. <laughs> what for the short? Or for yeah, the, for the short. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, so jumping in, you know, let's let's just take because you started in verse fourteen and and then uh, and then went through verse twenty one, right? Chapter three, Ephesians. Yeah. And um, so I, I found it really interesting first that that you you just talked about sort of the because the very first verse for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. Paul says that, and and you you explain that in the first century that was not like a typical posture of prayer, right? Mm-hmm. So this was unique. I mean, for us today, it seems like yeah, bow the knee, like that's something that we we would we would do do yeah. frequently, but but not so then. Mm-mm. No, and you know, for them, and probably even even though we would say we we understand the imagery of bowing the knee before the Father, I, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm older now, but I, I don't typically pray from my knees. Mm-hmm. Maybe because my knees hurt whenever I get down on my knees. Uh, but but with that, like there was truly a posture of standing and praying and lifting of hands because it, it meant something. Like it, their posture would allow their mind to be in a certain setting. So when they would stand, they would stand on the reverence of the of the Father, and then their hands would be lifted, um, not as a show of "Hey, I am uh, more more holy than you," or, or or "We are more holy than you guys." But instead, it was a raising of hands, hands open, hands palms up mm. to receive whatever the Father would have mm. um, from having heaven to us here on earth. So that would be the posture. And so for Paul to say, when I think about this, when because this is a prayer from 14 to 21, when I'm praying, when I think about what I'm about to pray, there is such an awe. It's not a standing to receive, but it's a humility of I'm going to bow my knee before the Father in, in extreme humility before him. Hmm. Uh, and I think that he writes that in, in hopes to help the other people understand how important what he's about to say is to the Father, but also should be to them as well. Hmm. 
So posture matters. and st- still mm-hmm. should matter today. I find myself that if I do, if I'm just sitting in my chair in the office, I can just be, you know, thinking of the Lord and praying. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the thought of, all right, well, I got to go to Kroger before I go home or I got to do these hundred things. Mm-hmm. But if I actually make a point to go into my inner office to, to get down on my knees and to pray, my train of thought is more focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if I were to stand, which a uh, don't do. But if I were to stand and lift my hands in my office when nobody else is around, I would find myself more than likely more focused on the prayer. Um, so I still think posture, posture matters. matters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. Interesting side note, one of the cultures that we work with in Kenya, um, there was actually a break years and years ago, and part of it was actually over the posture of prayer because uh, as Islam kind of came into that area, they wanted people to start praying down mm-hmm. on their knees or mm-hmm. prostrate, and the people were used to praying with their faces up and their hands up, and that was actually a kind of a difference that they were like, ah, we don't agree with this. Wow. So even today, there's still, still a, a, a posture of prayer matters in dirt, certain places. And that's probably a whole other discussion that we don't have time for today. But, but, <laughs> Side but, note, that's what. But I do think, you know, I mean, there are a lot of, uh, you know, probably uh, church splits or, or denominations yeah. that, you know, uh, there are there are certain practices that are probably more out of a desire to to not be associated with mm-hmm. with the practices of other groups mm-hmm. um, than than they are because it was a biblical thing. Mm-hmm. So, what, what, just for a second, then, what are healthy um, and leading us in worship, both you guys, Mike and Josh? What are healthy postures you would expect to see in a church like us in worship service? What would you expect to see from That's postures? That's a great question. Uh, <laughs> it's loaded. Uh, it's loaded for me because I hear that and say, <laughs> it shouldn't be this way, but I hear for Baptist, for Methodist, for Catholic, for yeah. uh, Pentecostal. Because I think if you go to mm-hmm. Anglican, if you go to those different places, I would say you would expect to see, expect to see something completely different. But when you got there, for them, it wouldn't be different. It would be the expectation. So uh, I would say trying not to to be Baptist in this moment, although I, I do love our Baptist heritage and tradition, um, anything that is honoring to the Lord, not um, self-gratifying in the sense of I'm doing this to, to draw attention to myself mm. and not something that would cause confusion in the corporate worship setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so again, I, I'm not going to, I don't want to say these things to, to say other people aren't doing it right. Because I think if you went to a Pentecostal church and you see people um, standing or running or laughing, that would be a normal expression for them and probably wouldn't cause confusion for it may, I don't know, but in my mind, it wouldn't cause confusion in the way that it would here mm-hmm. or the way it would at New Palestine mm-hmm. or First Baptist yeah. Church, whatever. Um, because I believe God is a God of order the same way that, that tongues is an act of worship. I, I still believe that. Um, but it's not to ever draw attention to yourself, and it's not to cause confusion in the worship setting. So I would say posture of prayer would be mm-hmm. Would you say something different? No, I no, I wouldn't. I, I, as a as a pastor of Broadmoor Baptist Church, I wish, like just wish, we would be more expressive in our worship. Mm. I also think that the folding of hands and the scowly face aren't necessarily honoring to the Lord uh, in the same way that it a, con, uh, a confusion. Uh, inducing act of, of of expressive worship would be. I think yeah. I think there are things that we should do. If God is the God who has brought us from death to life, we may should be a little more expressive. Uh, but that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, I, I think I think ultimately, posture of heart 
is yeah, core. That's right. But but number two, I think a simple way to think about it is for me, <laughs> I I tend to dwell on things a little more if I'm lying, bowed, or sitting. I thought like, you meant un- un- dishonest. I did too. I was like, hold on. What are you, Wait, what are you, you saying? You said lying. You're I was lying. Like, I thought like, you were like, dishonest. Lying, lying down. Not like, like not so, telling the truth. Like, like, so if I'm lying, I'm sorry. Yeah, if I'm, if I'm lying down. So like for me, those moments in worship where we get, especially response time, mm-hmm. like the simple act of we we have this tradition of standing. Yeah. Um, sometimes in those moments, I, I'd rather sit mm-hmm. because – in that moment, I may I may need to sit with something. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and just a simple act, nothing extravagant, but just to sit for a moment and go, okay, this is what I've heard. This is the truth. How's this really affecting my? I, I've got to contemplate that a little more. Mm-hmm. And and I think just the simple act of not rushing into the next thing because you've always done it, but just going, what what is the Father trying to teach me here? Mm-hmm. Right. And so to slow down and to go, okay, I'm just going to sit here for a moment. Um. That, that's just a simple thing. Yeah. I, I, I think, I also think movement communicates something, mm-hmm. right? So we, we have response times and what we typically see is people come down to the altar to join the church or profess faith in Christ. Right. Sometimes movement solidifies a, a decision or resolve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, that's, so, I agree with that 100%. and so, and so, I think as a as a pastor, like seeing movement, not just in those moments of like this is what we traditionally have done, but mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to move and go, I'm going, I'm going to move forward mm-hmm. in front of my church family mm-hmm. because I need these folks to know that God's doing something mm-hmm. in me, that God is moving and is at work, but it also solidifies for me the resolve that I'm. Mm deciding on in my heart toward what God has communicated to me. Like, so the, I, I, I think movement helps too. So, yeah. but I think discerning and allowing the Holy spirit to guide you in that is, is the key part. Right. It's not just to do something, but to know, do I need to sit with it? Right. D- do I need to stand and lift my hands? Do I need to move? Do yeah. I, like, what is it I need to do to help me? solidify what God is teaching me and and mm. directing me to do mm-hmm. in this moment. That's mm. good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and, and not to belabor it, but I, I think, you know, Scripture is full of so many different and wonderful expressions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I would love, you know, to see the body of Christ just uh, be free to engage all of those. But I do think that motivation matters, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Josh, you, you already said that. I think, you know, your heart and... and mm motivation for it if it's if it's to draw attention to yourself or to uh you know try to appear more spiritual or right. um you know put on some sort of show for for those around you i think then uh that's obviously not uh that's that's not proper motivation but mm-hmm. if it's if it is heartfelt and spirit led mm-hmm. and um then man like i would love to i would love to see us have an environment where where people people feel the freedom to, right. to express mm-hmm. themselves in that way yeah um, so moving on to the next verse, uh, you know, so verse 15, 
says this, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And you use that verse to just talk about how every person mm-hmm. uh, bears the image of, of Christ, mm-hmm. right? So we're, we're all made in his image. That's right. right. And I think this verse is what's in view, why he bows the knee before the Father. Uh, because, again, this Paul is famous for his Pauline run-on sentences. Uh, this is one of those on, on display. So even if you look, ESV does a good job, I think, because it doesn't separate it. It's just it's a long sentence. The whole chapter is one <laughs> sentence. It's pretty close <laughs> pretty to that. 14 on is. Right? Yeah, yeah, 14 on is for sure. Um, and so here, there there is a sense of, um, you know, in Ephesus or, or wherever, wherever they would be, in, in Madison, we can have a tendency to say, well, it's us. It's us in view. It's it, the Lord loves us. The Lord is faithful to us. We need to be missional here. And, and so what Paul is doing is saying every person, every, every person that's ever been created bears the image of, of Father God. He, he is the one that, that, that has created them of whom uh, every family in heaven on earth is named. That's a strange thing as well. Uh, and again, I think there's a, a bit of awe that maybe in the Baptist church we, we shy away from only because we don't know, or at least I don't know for sure. Um, what does it mean in heaven and on earth? Like, um, is, is there, and this is a whole other conversation for a whole other day, um, was creation just here on earth? Uh, or is there, and we know that, that heaven has things in it or created beings in it that we know very little about. But all of those were created in the image of God as well. And Paul has both of those in view, and he's just absolutely in awe. Mm. And so he bows before the Father, which is going to set up, Paul's going to say, okay, out of the riches of what he can do, what he has done, all the things he's capable of, out of out of that cache of, of resources, God's going to be able to do things in your life that you cannot imagine. Which, when we fully begin to wrap our mind around that, should throw us to our knees mm. in complete awe and surrender mm. to say, Lord, glory to your name. Mm. And so I, I believe that that is just the, the beginning foretaste of what Paul has been able to see. Mm. Which gets us into another conversation. Uh, it is nowhere near in this sermon here. But Paul gets to see things in his life that nobody else gets to see. Mm-hmm. That I have prayed for That's... and I'm still praying for today. <laughs> Lord, you mm. did it for Paul do, Do it, it for, for me. me. What yeah. What is the third heaven? Like, mm. Lord, what what did he see that he can't speak of? And why did he get that and we don't get that? Lord, I want to see that. I want to experience that. Anyway, can you imagine? Can you yeah. imagine what he was what he saw and what he experienced? And now he is ministering out of out of that. And I think we get from this prayer, verse 14 through 21, a very small glimpse into what filled the apostles' mind mm. and heart. Mm. Mm. That's good. So uh, along those lines, I mean, this is this is a, a, a but Sean, you you raised an interesting question, and I think you mentioned this, Josh, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned the sort of imprecatory prayer, which first of all we need to we need to define so imprecatory a prayer, prayer against someone or something. Right, right. And we so, get that out of the Psalms primarily. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So then, in light of verse fifteen, if everyone bears uh, the image of Christ. Uh, then you raised an interesting question, like, uh, is it, should we even practice imprecatory yeah, prayer? Yeah, like, what, yeah, what is, where does imprecatory prayers fit in the life of a believer, mm. I guess? Yeah. And and I th- I think it, it's more so this, um, and, and we see Paul even address it later on in Ephesians, that our battle is not against flesh and blood. He, mm-hmm. he draws our attention there as well. Mm. And, and, uh, and I think it's more so when we pray... Are we willing to view things 
through the lens of the will of the Father, right? Not what we desire or what we want. Um, but the goal is, is that every person, right, is to be reconciled to Christ. Mm-hmm. Like that, that is the ultimate goal. So even our, this is hard for us to think about, even our worst enemy or the, the, the worst person we can think of, the goal is to reconcile them to Christ. And yeah. so are we going to pray? And when we pray against maybe not someone, but do we pray against something Right. with the end goal being that, that the hope is that person comes to know right. Christ. Mm. Um, and so I, th- I think we have to be careful that what we're praying for is the destruction or the demise of a person so that they don't, know Christ versus right. our goal is to pray for them to say, maybe, maybe this thing doesn't happen or, yeah. or something doesn't go a certain way so that they might see the magnitude of God and, mm-hmm. and who he is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and man, I, I think that is so spot on, John. Um, and I'm thankful. And this is where I think I find myself so thankful. Ephesians is full of this, the sovereignty of God, even over what man would desire to do, or even in the the uh, sinfulness of man, mm-hmm. God's still sovereign over that. Like He's going to He's going to bless yeah, yeah. things more right. than we could ever pray rightly, and He's going to withhold things that we pray wrongly. Again, to sure. quote the the famous theologian that has been around for a while, I thank God for unanswered prayers. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Who who is that famous theologian? Uh, Anybody? Brooks, Garth yeah. Brooks. Yeah, we yeah, all Garth know Brooks. famous theologian, uh, <laughs> great thinker of our yeah, yeah, our day yeah. uh, prior. But but anyway, there there's this idea that there's a lot of times we pray for things that God, that, God mm-hmm. and, and I I could just imagine because I I think of Lydia, I think of my yeah. four year old, and and yeah. she asks for things, and sometimes I'm like, what? No, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> but she is. As sincere mm. as any person could ever be. Mm. And she, Dad, I really want a unicorn. Like, I, I really <laughs> want this. I really want to go, like, baby, no, we're not, no, mm. we're not doing that. Like, it's not even a right. thing. Yeah. But she's asking in sincerity. Mm. I, I, I'm, I'm not angry at her. I'm not belittling right. her. But it's just not a thing. So right. with that, whenever, whenever we pray, I think there's a sense of, be, like, like, just breathe. I can, I can relax. That if I pray rightly, then the Lord's going to be honored. But even if I find myself praying wrongly, wrongly. the Lord's going to take mm-hmm. care of that. And, and he's I'm, sovereign. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and, and in the imprecatory prayers, I think sometimes, and I bet we could, Preston in the room, um, Neil in the room, our resident counselors, they they can probably shrink our brain here. Um, there's sometimes, and I know we find ourselves on the side of this as well, where people think that we've made a poor decision in leadership. Uh, or we've done something wrong as a person, and so they they begin to to pray against us, maybe in hopes of turning our hearts or, or turning our minds. In the same way that we we may have done that as well, and I think there is some beauty here that um, Paul again is addressing, and that we can bow the knee before. We can rest in the fact that even if somebody is praying against us, we don't. Christianity is not voodoo, right? Right. It, it's not mm-hmm. a thing where. If somebody's praying against us, then the Lord's going to say, well, I, I'm, my hands are tied. They, I, have to, I have to do what they ask because they mm-hmm. did so. They, they, they were dressed rightly. They, mm-hmm. Their minds were right. They said the right words. And now, you know, they prayed against you. So here comes the bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and the same for us. Like, we are not a voodoo religion. Right. God, God is not bound by what we say or do. God is God and he mm-hmm. is sovereign. In yeah. our prayer life, to much uh, what, what C.S. Lewis would talk about, prayer is more to shape us than it is to inform God. 
Mm-hmm. God, right. God doesn't need the That's information. Right. It is to shape our hearts as we pray. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, I was, I was yeah. thinking about um, like families. This is just the first example that came to mind. Families who have someone, maybe in, a person who struggles with an addiction mm-hmm. in their family. Uh, and I've heard a lot of parents make comments about, I'm just praying that they don't end up in jail or I'm, I'm praying that this thing doesn't happen to them. But I've also seen families in that shift where they're able to release even that and say, I'm praying that if that's what it takes for the Lord to be able to speak into their life or for them to come to Christ or for their life to finally change course, then Lord, let that happen. And I think that's the difference in praying against someone for your own gain or for your own, like, I don't like them and I just want their life to be ruined versus praying against something in their life so that God can be ultimately yeah. glorified. Yeah, and I, I think and I think you see it here. Paul Paul's mm-hmm. prayer for this people is always centered around them knowing the fullness of Christ. Yeah, right. right. And so whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. So the end goal goes back to motivation and our posture conversation. Is our heart for the people that we pray for or against or whatever is our goal and even for ourselves as we pray that we might know the fullness mm-hmm. of Christ. Sure. Um, I, I think that's that's the that's the key to it. Mm-hmm. Well, and and you know that that might be a good springboard to talk about the next verse, uh, because verse sixteen says that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. And uh, you know, uh, Josh, you made a you made a point to say on Sunday that you know Paul could have asked for anything. I mean. Of all the things he could have prayed for, like yeah. this is the thing he asked for, that, that they would be strengthened in their inner being. Yeah. And it's, for me, equally uh, challenging and encouraging. Um, the, the challenging thing is I find myself, when I see the Apostle Paul, again, Paul's not perfect. He's not Jesus. Um, he, he is riddled with, uh, with, with brokenness in the same way that you and I are today. Uh, but I find the way in which he prays is much different because when I do pray, I find myself praying for the outside stuff. Like and and for I think good motive. Like I, I, I say, Lord, if, yeah. if 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 I belong to you, then I think these things should be different, or at least my desires for these things should be different. And so I find myself giving priority to external change, or at least even the desire for external change to be different. So to want mm-hmm. the things that God wants, and to to not desire the things that God doesn't desire for me to have. And so I find myself living there in my prayer life. But when I read this, Paul's praying for them. Look, the, the thing I want more than anything, he didn't even mention the outside. Like here in this prayer, he mentions the heart. I'm praying that God would strengthen you, that God God would strengthen your soul, your heart, the, the place where Christ is going to dwell. I'm praying that he strengthens that because in that, and again, I know we're, we're building towards it, but Sean just mentioned it, because in that you're going to experience the fullness of God in a way that you have never experienced before. Now, Ephesians is a, is a unique book. Right uh, from the very first few lines of Ephesians, it feels very. Uh, if we're putting a label on it, I don't think we should, but it helps sometimes. It's very reformed. Uh, it's very predestined. It's very sovereignty. Um, if as you were reading through the book of Ephesians, but when when we're reading through this, for me, it almost can feel like um, that if if step one doesn't happen, then you can't get to step four. Uh, and, and step one here, what Paul is praying is, if you want to experience the fullness of God, it has very little to do with you trying harder to be better. It has very little with you starting this or stopping this. And I know a lot of times, New Year, right? So if I'm thinking through this right now, you want to experience the fullness of God? 
make sure you're in your daily Bible reading plan. If, if you want to experience the fullness of God, make sure you stay away from these four habits that you know weren't helpful for you in 23. Paul would, would approach it differently. You want to experience the fullness of God, God is going to have to strengthen your heart from the inside out. And that's what we should be praying for. And that's what we should be asking the Father to do. Not necessarily stop this or start this, but Lord, I want you to fill my heart with your goodness and joy in a way that it's never experienced before. I, I just think that's markedly different than mm. how I live a lot of days. Yeah. But would you say something different to that? Maybe, maybe you see that differently? Maybe not. Anyone? All right. Anyone? <laughs> um, so you, you did talk about, because uh, even in the next verse, I mean, you're talking about being strengthened in your inner man, the heart. Um, you know, you, you use verse 17 where it talks about Christ that qui- Christ made, that Christ, that Christ <laughs> may dwell well. in your hearts. Marriage. Um, <laughs> Josh Ford got well, up today. Well. Princess Bride, haven't you? <laughs> I actually haven't watched it in a long time, but I should go back it's and so watch good. it. so good. We watched it last week. <laughs> Um, but that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And you, 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 you used an interesting um, uh, just word picture yep. illustration uh, when you were talking about that, about that, that, you know, when we, Christ doesn't come into a rented room, like mm-hmm. it's, you know, like we're, we're okay, you can come in here, but you can't change anything, right? right? You know, like it's his That's to right. do with what he wants. That's right. It, right? It, this is my house. I hope you enjoy your stay. While you're here, um, but but reality, and it's, it it shouldn't be a not like it shouldn't be novel. It is it's 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 true across all of time and space. When we read the scripture, um, we are bought with a price. Like as believers, we belong to Him. I, 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 who we are is His, so He can come in. And this word "dwell" is, a, I believe, a, a much uh, in seminary we we use this word a lot, a pregnant term. Uh, a term that looks like one, but on the inside, it's teeming with more life than than just the outside looks. And so this picture of Christ dwelling in your hearts through faith. Now, again, uh, I remember being a kid, hearts um, was a word because I was like, man, what, you know, when grandpa had a heart attack and I was like, man, did Jesus get disrupted? Like, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. it, it's there. Uh-huh. The idea of heart uh, is the center of the being. So the heart, mind, and soul, um, that when, when they would speak of these things, it was the core of who we were. And this idea now of Jesus indwelling there and as his house, as his throne room, as, as, as the place where his glory will dwell, he gets to do what he wants. So he comes in, renovates the whole thing. And I think, and I mentioned this uh, on Sunday, but, but I think this is true. There are a lot of times Jesus will do things that we amen. Yeah, yeah. Lord, I know that was right. Thank you for, for making my heart love that or, or thank you for changing my desire for that thing. But what happens when Jesus and his dwelling in our hearts gets rid of things that we love that we shouldn't or, or, or things that we thought we should love even as a believer, but Jesus says that's not for you now. And that, that thing goes, mm-hmm. and he gets rid of that and replaces it with something else that maybe isn't what we desired at all. But it's the very thing that he's desired for us. Mm-hmm. And that is him with all the freedom that he gets being king of everything mm-hmm. uh, and ruler of your heart to do that in your life. And I think that's important to, to know that as we walk in this life, there'll be things that our king says to us that we are thankful for and say yes and amen. And there'll be things that our king says and does that we may find great angst with, but he's still good. He's still, he's still right. He will never do anything to cause us pain or angst just for the sake of it. 
and and I would even go as far to say he would never do something in us that is punitive in the sense of like eternally, like you did this, therefore you must pay the penalty for these things because that's what the cross did, right? Mm-hmm. I, I do believe there'll be things that Christ does in our hearts and allows us to walk through that may feel punitive. They, they may feel like uh, they hurt or, or icky, and, and we may ask the question wrongly, what have I done to deserve this pain? Or what have I done to deserve this, this anguish? Well, it's not about deserve. Uh, it's about God doing something in us. And so that's when we would have James in view, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because mm. those trials are doing something in you that allows you to be ready for that day mm. when we are face to face. What I'm discovering uh, for myself is that this uh, this journey of following Jesus has to be walked slowly. Mm. Mm. And then if I move too quickly, I miss. Yep. So for example, like before I went on ministry leave, I asked Mark Preston and Sean, I was like, Hey, what are, what are some, what's something that you would want me to be curious about that maybe you're seeing in me or that you just go, Hey, spend time on this. And Mark asked me a question. He's like, why everybody strives for something. Uh, why do you strive the way you do? at work like what is it the thing right and so i spent more time on that and thought through it's the need for finishing things and um being seen as competent mm-hmm. and being uh contributing right so that others have what they need to do their thing and that was like the first level the more i spent time on it over several days of just continued journaling it was it became about fear and pride right and so the pride for me was this this issue of um, wanting to be self-sufficient. And um, so I have this thing that as as I spent time on it, the Holy Spirit began to kind of reveal some things to me about the the sin of pride mm-hmm. and that I need to give that over. And that's that's in my inner being, that pride issue is, mm-hmm. is there, sitting there. And sometimes it compels me to do certain things and sometimes it doesn't. But now that I'm aware of it, like there's a sanctifi- sanctification process that must then kick in. I was reading over the the ministry leave. I think it's um, Rosaria Butterfield's uh, Unhindered Openness. Mm-hmm. And she talks about her journey with same-sex attraction. And she says, you know, sexual sin is this thing that has a variety of motives for it. Hers was a pride issue. Mm-hmm. And so God, um, um, for in her journey, her story, uh, continued to work through um, – a sin thinking it was one, she thought it was one thing and in fact the motive for it was something totally different and so he went to the root of the issue over time right mm-hmm. and i think unless we walk slowly and in mm-hmm. and practice confession with one another and invite others in and, and invite the holy spirit to do that work we will live religiously mm-hmm. and jesus the heart of us has not really been changed anymore because we're not letting go of or having things burned away mm-hmm. or ripped away that need to be given over. But what we think it is in the front end may not be what it actually is. That's right. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Thank That's you for deep. sharing that. Uh, yeah. I think to add to that, like is is the fact that that Christ is always doing something. Right. I think the the hard part is sometimes we don't realize that he's doing something. We have this picture of, hey, come into my house and sit back in the recliner mm-hmm. like no he's he's renovating the place right, right? Mm-hmm. and and you see it like if, if you dig in this is an to dwell or may dwell mm-hmm. is an active thing right 
and and it's never ending. That's right. Yeah. Continues like, on. So it's it's a continually active process of Christ living or bringing about something mm. in us. Um, and so he's. It's not about us creating a cozy place for him. Mm. Right. It's about us taking our hands off of it and going right. tear up what you must. Terrifying. Um, build what you may. <laughs> I don't like, like that expression. Like that, that, whole, that whole picture. You're 100% well, and, right. And the fact that he's dwelling there, I mean, we've all had people, guests come and stay for a weekend or, or whatever. Um, back during COVID, we actually had two young people live with us, I mean, for months. There's a totally different feel when somebody's living in your house that long. Hmm. Uh, they see everything. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if if you yeah, had a bad day and somebody's coming over that night, you can probably put it away for for two hours while they come over and have dinner. If you're having a bad day and somebody lives in your house, that's a whole lot different. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that he he didn't just come, he doesn't come visit us at the moment of salvation and look around and go, okay, you got some stuff to work on, get get right. to work. He's there day in day out, thought in thought out. You know everything mm-hmm. that crosses our heart. He is he is there for it, so you can't escape it. it. It's not like well, I'll I'll put on a front. Maybe he won't see it. He sees it all. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. Mm-hmm. And it's helpful. It's helpful for me to think of the fact that you know that he's purposeful mm-hmm. and intentional. Like everything that happens, uh, like he he has a purpose for it, and he's he's using it, and he's mm-hmm. he's working through it, and. Um, and ultimately, he's working through it for my good and his glory, yeah. and which I think it just provides a, a great springboard to to the next part of the passage, um, where you know, uh, in, in verses eighteen and nineteen, Paul says that you may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And, um, man, so, uh, so Preston, I'm going to, I'm going to pitch to you here because you raised a, an interesting question. Like, like why, why did Paul choose the word strength or, or power, power here yeah. to comprehend that? And, yeah. and why not some other word? Yeah. Because the, the word grasp, um, kind of leans into that understanding or knowledge or more of a, a head thing, but he says that we have to have a, a power to grasp it not like more understanding mm-hmm. to get it, but there's something from outside of us that we need in order to be able to do this. And that that to me sounds like it must be pretty important if he's talking about this love of Christ. And and I know in my world, in my life, um, to, to really grasp the love of Christ is a hard thing because I always mm-hmm. want to make it human. In some way, right. I always want to give it a human attribute, mm-hmm. or add conditions to it, or uh, you know, figure out what the checklist is, or, or whatever. And I think that may be part of why he says, "Look, you need a power outside of yourself to be able to really get this," mm. um, because you can't on your own. I mean, we all struggle with it. Mm-hmm. If, does Christ really love me? You said it in the sermon, you know, to to be known. Does he really know me fully and love me? Because he can't really know me all of my stuff and really love me that well. Yeah. But Paul says, yes, he does. Mm. That's exactly right. And I think, um, you know, this is, this is probably the core, the crux of Paul's prayer. Um, again, which I think is so counterintuitive to how we live life as, as just normal 
everyday humans uh, on this side of eternity because we want this to say, I just want Jesus to know how much I love him. At the end of the day, Lord, I'm striving for you. I, I love you. Look how much I've done for you. Look how much I want to do for you. Look at my heart. Know how much I love you. I find it strange. Paul mentions none of that. Yeah. None of it. Like his his thing is, look, I want you to be strengthened from the inside out. I want you, I want you to have the supernatural ability. And then he could have said, then to strive harder or to be better. No, no. Mm-hmm. He says, I want you to have the supernatural ability that only can come from God. And if he can't give it to you, then you're never going to experience it. But I'm praying that God would give you the supernatural ability to understand just how much Jesus loves you. Mm-hmm. How, how, how wide, long, high, and deep his love is for you. I just, I find that frustrating and I find that reassuring strangely at the exact mm-hmm. same time. Frustrating in the sense of, can it be that easy? Mm. Easy in the sense of, it, it literally, I know we say it a lot, but it literally has nothing to do with us and everything to do with the grace of God. You were saved by grace through faith. Like I know we'll quote that. That's a very quotable verse. If, if we're honest, if I'm honest, there's still something on the inside saying, yeah, yeah, but I've done a lot of things. I've done a lot of, like, I've, I've, I've been to the Christian tryout. I've gone to the youth camps. I've done, I've lived my life in such a way. Why not? Has nothing, nothing to do. Because the picture isn't you were a little bit off and God made you a lot of bit whole. Mm-hmm. Or, or even you were sick and God made you better. The picture is you were dead and God made you alive. And that, that's got to be the image that we keep in the forefront of our mind because it, it was in death and our sin and our, our transgressions and our, and our struggles that that's where God met us. That, that's the, the fullness of his wide and long and high and deep love that he breathes life into us and brings us back now to do. I'm not discounting a life lived for his glory or, or sure. actually trying harder to do right for, for his glory and his mm-hmm. namesake. I don't think that's wrong. Actually, I think that's really right. But the order has to be complete. Right. First, we understand that we were dead, and by God's grace alone, we were saved. Mm. To, to understand, that's what that's what's on view here. Mm-hmm. Paul says, if you could just understand how much He loves you, mm-hmm. that even before you could, you could muster up a Lord, I love you, or Lord, here's my life, or Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. Even before that, Jesus loved you more than you will ever be able to comprehend. And knowing that is both frustrating and so reassuring to me. Mm. There's so much more we could talk about in this passage, uh, but we're out of time. but uh, this is this is great discussion and in, in, in such a such a wonderful, beautiful passage. Uh, next week we start a new series on the Ten Commandments. Yes. And that will take us right up into the Easter season. And uh, and so this next week, we're talking about uh, no other gods. No other gods. So um, so this is going to be a really exciting uh, exciting uh, uh, series, I think. And so I actually had somebody see the, uh, the graphic on Sunday and, um, and just, they were making a joke, but they saw the big X, which of course stands for Ten, ten. Yeah. <laughs> but does that mean we shouldn't follow the Ten Commandments? Is that? <laughs> oh well, we'll actually get to that. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so there's the big question. Uh, anyway, uh, guys, as always, a great discussion, and uh, it's good to be in the room with you guys. Uh, love doing life with you, yes. and uh, looking forward to next week. Love you guys. This has been a production of Broadmoor Baptist Church. If you enjoyed today's episode. 
please share it with others and don't forget to subscribe. To help us spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe as well. They can find us wherever they prefer to get their podcasts. And if you'd like more information about Broadmoor, please visit our website at broadmoor.org or connect with us on your favorite social media platform where we're listed as at my Broadmoor. Thanks for listening.